0: Welcome back in to another edition of College Golf Talk. Steve Burkowski, Brentley Romine with you. We are thrilled for you to join us yet again. We got a busy pod on tap, Justin Silverstein, the women's head coach for USC joining us shortly. Doug Smith will also join us a little bit later on for a new event that's really going to help grow the game. So jam-packed from start to finish, Brentley. And I feel like it's this time of the year, mid to late February, going into March, where from my perspective, things start getting interesting. We see a lot of quality events. We see some great results in different performances by others but this is the point of the calendar year that I start saying, all right, who's legit and who's got work to do. Yeah. That first week in March is really where it really
1: starts. I think, I mean, that's the most exciting week during the regular season and it only gets better once we get into the postseason. So um, exciting time in, in golf uh, happy to have a kind of somewhat normal season after the last couple of years. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, Every week, Berko, I love jumping on here, talking with you. And I think we're going to have a lot of uh, pretty cool things to talk about as we
0: move forward. Absolutely. And again, College Golf Talk brought to you by our good friends at Velocity Global, as they seamlessly connect employers and talent, anyone, anywhere, anytime, anyhow. Its global work platform is built on cloud-based technology, compliance expertise, and unmatched scale in 185 countries in all 50 United States. We all know now in 2022, the world of work is forever changed. Talent can live anywhere, work for anyone and get the job done. And more than a thousand businesses engage top talent in another state or another country without the need to set up a foreign entity or registration. And they rely on Velocity Global to make it simple and compliant. Velocity Global accelerates the future of work. To learn more, visit VelocityGlobal.com slash golf thrilled to have them on board as always and they talk about talent we bring in some talent from the west coast up early on this thursday justin silverstein the head women's golf coach for the university of southern california trojans fresh off a victory at the icon invitational justin always good to catch up my friend and maybe the immediate reaction a day or two removed from a clean sweep what did it mean for you guys to maybe sort of make a statement here in February?
2: Well, thanks for having me guys. I'm, I'm fired up to be on. Uh, yeah, it was a really good week. Uh, started crazy, crazy fast at that event. Uh, I kept getting, I didn't even look at a scoreboard until about three holes left in the tournament, but kept getting text about an hour in like, is scoring correct? What's going on? And I was like, I text Katie. I'm like, did we get off to a really bad start? She's like, no, uh, I've seen about six or seven birdies so far. Um, And then I heard later that day we were about 12 under through four holes or five holes. So uh, it was a great week. Um, Really good event that the University of Houston puts on. We're we're fortunate to go to that event. We've been eyeing that event on our schedule for a while. Uh, But just to have a a really complete team win was something um, we're always fired up about. But specifically this season, it's been a little little tougher of a start than we're used to. Um, but things just started clicking. Uh, I think we got a golf course that fit our strengths really well. With, we got some really good but soft greens, which we perennially have loved. Um, with some of the work we do at home, if we get soft greens, we think we're in a pretty good spot. So uh, really proud of the team, really happy for Amari to get her first win. Um, our other freshman, Cindy Coe, played great, finished third. I think any other you know, week, that's probably a win as well. So really good week one to five. Uh, get, some, get some positive vibes here going for the big part of our spring season.
0: 39 under par winning total, 15 shot victory. You just touched on the fact that it has maybe been indifferent from the standards of USC in years past. What did you learn most importantly about this group?
2: Oh, that's a, that's a good question. I could go on for a while about that. Um, this is a resilient group. Um, we started the year with a roster of 10. We're now down to eight. Um, and we have six healthy bodies right now. We have, we have two, two players who we expect to contribute in a big way out with, uh, uh, rehabbing with surgeries right now. Um, Malia Nam's coming back from a hip surgery, hopefully back soon, maybe. Um, and then another one of our freshmen, very highly recruited kid, Joyce Jin, uh, had ACL surgery a few weeks ago. So she's out for the season, hopefully back beginning of next season, maybe um, midway through the fall portion. So um, we've kind of dwindled down in size from a, a roster that we really like to start the season. but But what we have now is a group of people who are really committed to being at USC and being in our player development program and being part of kind of this historic, historic program and keeping it going in the right direction. Um, really like the work ethic we've seen pretty much since the Stanford Invitational in October. That was a big turning point in our season, was about that time. Uh, played nicely there, played really well in Hawaii. I think we should have won that golf tournament. We ended up finishing second to Stanford. Um, didn't have a great finish last two or three holes there. And then actually played pretty decently in San Diego um, at our first event. We finished seventh, but had some uh, catastrophic stuff happen on a couple holes that prevented that. And then at uh, Houston, things really, you know, luck kind of swung in our direction. But this group's resilient. They're working really hard, really smart. All the data we've been collecting at home uh, has been showing us that this was, this was going to happen. Uh, we just needed luck to flip our way, and it finally did. But, but this group's doing a great job. I'm really proud of them. Um, And if we can get Malia back in the fold, I think we then have the depth that we need to make a big late run in the season. I want to talk about
1: Amari for a little bit. And, you know, she entered college with high expectations. I mean, we saw what she did as a junior golfer. For her to win in just her second start, just just talk about the impact that she's had already and kind of her potential and where you see her going um, as she moves into the spring and the rest of her
2: career. Yeah, I mean her transition from high school to college a semester early has been like nothing short of spectacular. Um she's done a great job academically, socially, and then in the golf part as well. Um, everyone knew she's a great golfer. Um, how good she was something I was very curious to see up close. Um, you know, it's you learn a lot recruiting. We watched her a lot. She was obviously one of the, you know, most heavily recruited player in the country. Um but when you get to see it like right up close and start breaking down the data like we do at USC. We started just to see how how solidly she hit the golf ball, which is a, a huge part of being a good ball striker. But it's just one part. I mean, it's important, but it's just one part. Um, and then and then what Katie and I were able to see was that there was a lot of low hanging fruit uh, that we could help her quickly with her golf game, being knowing her yardages, uh, you know, knowing climate conditions, the effect temperature and wind have on a golf ball, um, and her body. You know, that's something she learned this week, being under the gun late. Um, you know, we are standing on 18 fairway and she's in between pitching wedge and gap wedge. And the first question I asked her was like, Hey, how pumped up are you? And she's like, really pumped up. So, you know, she had a gap wedge crushed it. It was good, you know, good shot pin high 20 feet, but she's even after the round, she's like, you know, that's a question. No one's really ever asked me on a golf course. So she was playing great junior golf without being aware of all these other things that were going on. Um, so I think she'll continue to grow at a, at a quick rate here because she does the hard stuff well already. And I think the stuff that we can fix, more quickly is stuff that she is the stuff that she needs to improve, um, mm-hmm. and then just as far as the team aspect, she's a great member of the team. She's vocal, she's energetic, she works hard. Um, she defines herself as a golfer, which is something we really value uh, here for USC Women's Golf, uh, because when we recruit players at the level like we recruit Amari and Cindy and Brianna, you know, we, our, one of our first questions is, "Do you want to play the tour?" Because we need them to work hard enough to get good enough or if we want them to work hard enough to get good enough they have to define themselves as a golfer so when you wake up in the morning the first thing you need to think about is how can i get better at golf today now there's a healthy balance to that and amari has a really healthy balance of that and i think her experience at usc is giving her an even healthier balance of that because she is around her friends every day she's around you know other college students every day and that's something she wasn't getting being homeschooled and being fairly isolated with her sister alana who she's very close with but this is kind of giving her a a grander view of what the world's like. Um, So she's doing a great job. I'm super proud of her. Um, Her parents did a great job raising her. Uh, Everyone in the departments love having her around. And I think, I think the best is yet to come with her. I really think week by week, she's just going to become a better golfer while she's at USC.
1: That's the same criteria that I asked Berko before he joined this podcast. Do you want to play the tour? And he said, yes. And so does he
2: define himself as a podcaster? Is that how he wakes up every day?
1: Tries to become the best podcaster in the world. He defines himself as a lot of things, uh, and, and he's very good at,
0: uh, at a lot of things. But, all, all, I, but I'm really good at getting my 6- and 8-year-olds to school on time. When I'm home, I'm all in. Keeps Kate uh, sane to know that Daddy can step up. So when I do wake up, it's not, can I be the best podcaster? What are my aspirations? It's, let's get lunch made. Let's get him in the car. Let's get him to school on time. That's well, you're important. a smart man, if nothing else. Exactly.
1: Now, you touched on this earlier too, Justin, and not to give away all all of your secrets, um, but can you just explain for those listening who don't know about kind of the way you guys approach, you know, college golf, like just the numbers, the data, um, just kind of give us a sneak peek, kind of, you know, peel the curtain away a little bit and, and explain your process.
2: Yeah, so it was a system that was created um, with Chris Zambri when he was the men's coach here. Um, and I came in in 2012 to be Andre Gaston's assistant, and we really dove in on the women's side to Chris's system. Um, and we expanded on it over those, you know, eight, seven years we spent together. Um, and Brentley, you did a great piece. If people really want to dive into it, uh, if you just Google Justin Sa uh, USC practice, there's a really good article about a lot of the testing we do. So it's all right. And the quicker- <laughs> What's that?
1: I said, it's, it's all right.
2: (laughs) It's no, it was a good piece. Um, If uh, the quickest way to describe it is we try to break golf down in like the ultimate decathlon. So we try to break ball striking down into, can you get it online? Like simply on a line test. And there's three different yardage gaps we use for that line test. Do you know your yardages? Which seems very simple. And I think a lot of people listening will be like, well, of course, good players know their yardages. Well, I can tell you they don't. Um, the best players in the world don't know their yardages as an elite level when they come to college. Um, and we've had tour players coming in and test that don't know their yardages as an elite level. Um, you know, we we created a stat, probably the best stat we've created, is our speed ratio, um, and that Chris Zambry's using that in the Decade Golf app now. It's available. A lot of college programs are using it. So basically, we measure for putts 10 feet and over how short and long in inches you are, and we've created a formula and ran it against the strokes gain stat to see what elite level speed is and what what speed ratio gives you the best chance to have a strokes gain positive round and i don't want to get too deep in it because it's pretty boring but um you know we we've we've pulled speed out of putting so we have strokes gain putting which is the ultimate putting metric like stop counting your putts if it if anyone learns anything from this podcast stop counting putts start running your strokes gain it's pretty easy to find an app where you can do it and we have a speed component so we're, we're trying to break off down into as many small parts as possible. And the reason we do that is, is we want to protect our good players who are here from changing anything that works. So it's not necessarily designed to help people. It's more so designed to protect good players from changing something that works, which a lot of good players do. And then another part of it is diving in and helping people. But, but Brentley, when we talked yesterday, I told you, you know, we're really needing to let Amari's putting data sit so we can collect enough of it to make sure we're making the right move on it. Like, I'm fairly confident she hits her putts too hard, like most junior golfers do. We've had all but maybe one or two in our program's history that we needed to tell them to hit their putts softer. But, you know, it's a struggle, but I'm having to be really patient and let us get 20 or 30 strokes gain rounds with our speed ratio to dive in and tell her. So, um, you know, we're always trying to create new stuff here, but we think we've got a system of, of 10 to 12 tests in place that we do you know, two times a week. And we measure that data when we're out playing and we think kind of we're at the forefront of, of uh, especially college golf metrics. And as far as player development's concerned and and helping our players get better, but also giving them a really safe environment to get better where they're not going to change things that work at an elite level. It's
0: amazing to think how college golf has grown, developed, you alluded to it, sort of go down the rabbit hole, but that's where we're seeing it at every single level. So, Kind of intriguing to hear just how specific you guys get with uh, your student-athletes. Um, as long as I've been around this game, I, when I hear that new stuff, it's, uh, it's always intriguing. Before we let you go, you're building to May to hopefully be peaking at Greyhawk. We've talked virtually every week about the Stanford Cardinal and how good they could be. Maybe all-time greats and then San Jose State maybe silences those that thought they're going to go undefeated. How much do you look at a team like Stanford, a conference foe that you play alongside quite a bit during the regular season to measure yourself, to gauge yourself, at least maybe you as a coach, you want your young ladies to focus on playing, but how would, how do you look at them in terms of what you guys need to do to get better?
2: Uh, First of all, what they're doing is unbelievable. Um, and a great coach. She's put together an, an all-time great roster as far as her depth concerns. Uh, you know, Rose and Rose and Rachel leading the charge up there. They're they're unbelievable players. But man, apart from that, they're great people too. So it's great to see what they're doing. Um, we're aware of what's going on. I mean, they're kind of the standard right now. But um, you know, something Andrea taught me when I when I started working with her in 2012 was was to kind of insulate ourselves as much as possible. Um, you know, we've we've been that standard. Uh, as far as the golf program is concerned, you know, I think we set that standard in 2013-14 with that roster we put together and that record we did. Um, so we know what good is. We don't really need to look outward to see what good is. Um, and that's probably where the system of practice comes in to help a little bit. Um, because of the data we have, we know what good is and we know what great is. And and that kind of gives us some comfort. And that gave us some comfort earlier this year when we were struggling a little bit because what we were seeing at home, Berko, was was really good stuff. Um, we just hadn't put together as a five for the entire year until this Houston event. So, you know, to answer your question, we are, we are very aware of what Stanford's doing. We are always aware of what Stanford's doing. Um, but, but we're, we're going to concentrate on, on what we're doing at a, at a higher level and just try to get better every day. And, and we think come May, we'll be in a good spot to compete with any team in the country if we can just keep building um, day by day, week by week and and this group's been doing that like i said this group's been doing that since about that stanford event in the fall so um i think we'll be in a good place and, and we can't wait to mix it up with them um i think the next time we'll see them's at the napa event right after the augusta event so um, anytime we get a play against them is a, is a good time uh but well, we'll we'll just keep building and i think we'll have a good shot come may
0: well we always appreciate your time justin your candor for uh letting us peek behind the curtain if you will for just a little bit And as I shared with someone the other day when you guys were putting up those low scores I believe it's good and great for women's college golf when USC is a factor nationally the name the brand the recognition the history so uh at least maybe from a selfish standpoint keep rolling along throw your name in the hat so come Greyhawk we can uh, yet again have a great national championship but uh Always uh, good to catch up, my friend. Congrats on the win! All the best to uh, your young ladies, and we'll uh, we'll do
2: it again soon. Awesome, thank you, Burko. Thank you, Brentley. You guys do the best.
0: Uh, likewise, Justin Silverstein, head women's golf coach at the University of Southern California. We could go on forever with him, Brentley, but we got so much jam packed. Um, you sort of touched on it. Justin went deeper on it. Amari Avery, how how good do you think? She could be a month from now, a year from now, at the end of her college career. What are you potentially projecting?
1: Well, how good was Justin talking about that data stuff? That was, I mean, he called it boring, but I was, you know, I was pretty (laughs) captivated by that.
0: Exactly. I know. It's amazing that college golf is like that. Now, I get it. That's the world we live in. Uh, But uh, nothing's left to chance anymore. Sorry, as I get off on a tangent.
1: No and and I think that kind of goes into why Amari has been so good, you know, so quickly. I mean, you, you talk about a player with that god-given ability, that talent and you just, you know, teach her a little bit of the, you know, maybe not fundamentals, but you know, like he said the simple things like knowing your yardages uh, you know doing these line tests, doing these different, you know, skill tests that they do at USC and kind of figuring out, all right, where do I actually need to get better? Because if you just look at the game as ball striking, putting, and short game, I think you can, you know, start to kind of spin your wheels in, in terms of of getting better. So the the key for her, I, I always thought was going to be adjusting to just that college life. I mean, we, we talk about a player who was homeschooled um, for much of her childhood. Um, And as she told me yesterday, I, I got a chance to speak with her, you know, she would, you know, see her friends at golf tournaments and that was it. You know, she didn't have that in, in class, in person educational experience, but she's getting that now. And she actually said that before her first class, it was like 130 person lecture um, about a week and a half into the spring semester, uh, she, she cried before her class. Cause she was so nervous. She didn't know what to expect. And now looking back, she laughs about it because you know it's, it's kind of coming second nature to her now. And, you know, she, she's comfortable, she's enjoying college and, you know, her, her golf is, is starting to, uh, you know, I wouldn't say turn around, but it, it's starting to really take off.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch her progression uh, over the coming weeks and months ahead, at least in this spring season. Also part of that event, I know you wanted to touch on quickly, Old Miss defending national champs, tied for seventh. Concerns, question marks. We know they had an indifferent fall. They sort of said, like, we got to get back to the basics. It's extremely difficult, Brentley, to repeat. The sequel is usually nowhere near as good as the original. Uh, where's your level of worry for uh, the folks in Oxford?
1: It's it's pretty high. I, um, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I was I was a little bit concerned in the fall at East Lake. Uh, I know Corey Hankus had talked about how they had that come to Jesus moment, and so far it's it's not it's not working. Um, and I don't know if you know, how much of that is Julie Johnson's struggles. I mean, she was T 53, uh, at golf club of Houston this week. And so, yeah, it's, it's tough to, to contend when your star player is, is finishing outside the top 50. So maybe it's something as simple as that, you know, once she gets turned around, uh, maybe they can start to gain some momentum, but, but yeah, I mean, the, the concern is is really high. And, and, and at this point, um, I don't know if it was myself or you or someone else, um, had said earlier this season, but they might just not have, you know, th- they might struggle not just to get into, ma- you know, back into match play, but they might have a hard time qualifying uh, for yeah. the NCAA championship at this point. I mean, the talent is there. Certainly. I mean, it, it's not to say that they can't figure things out, and be one of the contenders when it's all said and done late May. But right now, they're not one of the best 24 teams in the country, and and I don't think it's particularly close.
0: I uh, tend to agree. Again, a lot can change. They're the only team that can go back to a season ago winning the last event they played in, so potentially something to draw on over the next couple of months for head coach Corey Henkes, moon golf invitational big win for the ladies of Florida state, six shots over Virginia LSU's Ingrid Lindblad wins individually. Where do you put her in terms of how close she could maybe get to Rose Zhang to win the Annika award? Well, I think she has two wins now this season, Uh, a bunch of top 10.
1: She's just consistently always in the mix, whether she wins or not. And, you know, she, she's still behind Rose because, I mean, gosh, Rose's worst finish Everybody's right now is, Rose. Is, is T4. <laughs> but she, out of all the other players in college golf, she's got the resume so far this season and all the tools, all the talent needed to give Rose a run for her money. Now, Rose is probably going to win the Annika Award. But Ingrid Lindblad, I think already, you know, don't just pencil her in. Write her in and pen. She's a first-team All-American right now. She could win the NCAA uh, individual title, and uh, she's, she's going to be a heck of a pro. So it's going to be exciting once she decides to kind of get out there. Um, she probably I think, maybe has one more year left uh, in school, and, and then we'll see her. You know, she, she's a player that we're going to see on the LPGA winning tournaments for many years to come.
0: Can't disagree with that. Garrett Runyon, the head coach from LSU, said the plan is four years. That is coming from Ingrid that she wants to see it through. She's a junior now. So we'll see how that changes real quickly. Wrapping up on the women, five top tens were uh, 10 teams were in that field. Virginia, South Carolina, Florida, Alabama, Arkansas. You posed the question, how many of those teams make match play this year? Um, One. I was going to say that. I, I was going to say one, maybe two. Um, maybe two. So. Maybe two. My question on Arkansas, you lose Brooke Matthews, goes yeah, professional. That's tough. South Carolina's talented, but you lost a lot of players, including Pauline Roussen Bouchard. Virginia really good. Can they take it to the next level? Possibly. I teeter back and forth between Florida and Alabama. I think the Gators have been really solid this year. Maybe not spectacular, but in the mix seemingly every time they tee it up and what mick potter has been able to do from three four years ago when their team was decimated by two individuals leaving early to turn professional they honestly were awful and in two or three years he's got them back as one of the top 10 teams so i would lean to one of those two making it to match play
1: yeah this tournament i think was the perfect juxtaposition between you know that that lpga q series stuff with Florida State, Alabama, both of those teams, you know, they finished first and fourth respectively, this week. Both of those teams had their best player or one of their best players choose to defer their status. Alabama's Pauly Mack, um, Beatrice Wallen from Florida State. They they had Epson, you know, I, I say Symmetric Tour, Epson Tour now. Uh, it, it's going to take a few months for, for that to really sink in. But uh, but they, they deferred that status. They came back. Um, and then you look further down the leaderboard, Arkansas at ninth, Duke at, at tied for 10th. I mean, it just sh- shows you kind of the difference that one player can make. And um, I, I, I think I agree with you in terms of one out of that, you know, out of that group to make it. Maybe two. Um, I tend to probably say that South Carolina's probably got the best chance just because of that young talent and i think they're only going to get better but yeah watch out for florida i mean this is a squad that probably doesn't have a standout player you could argue annabelle fuller uh curtis cupper is that player but very solid they got a couple players who are just outside that top five two that you know aren't far off uh from the players they tried it out there this week Uh, so a lot of a lot of talent to work with and um yeah i i, I think florida's florida's got to be pretty pleased with how the, the season's gone so far so i'm going to say two actually i'm going to change it south carolina and florida match play.
0: fair enough you're on the record always fun to project as we sort of wrap up the past week for the ladies and women's college golf we transition from women's college golf over to the men's side. And we're thrilled to bring our good friend, Doug Smith from beyond the fairway season two is upcoming just weeks from now, but Doug, always good to catch up. And we brought John most specifically to talk about the news of the creation of the Charlie Sifford centennial Cup, a one day team match play featuring top golf teams from HBCUs, division one, division two, At Quail Hollow, the site of the President's Cup, it's going to basically be like a one-day, let's sprint and have a marathon of a President's Cup um, rendition, if you will. And when you see things like this, what, what is your immediate reaction as you, Brentley, I, everyone, try to grow this game and provide opportunity?
3: Well, Burko, Brentley, thank you for having me in here. The first thing it does, Steve, is it pisses me off, you know, quite honestly. <laughs> I mean, how cool is this event for for players at HBCUs, man? Like, I I played collegially at Florida uh, A&M as well as University of Louisville. I graduated from Florida A&M. But, you know, it's like, dang, I missed an opportunity to play in something like this. That, that's my initial response. I'm not even going to joke. But, I mean, how, how wonderful is it, uh, you know, Steve, we've all been around the game for so many years. We hear people talking about um, – you know, how to grow the game amongst diverse communities and, and people of color and I mean and what an awesome way to do just that and and it's, it's really uh it's exciting to actually see the the golf organizations put an action behind the words so I, I'm, I'm excited for the Charlie Sifford Centennial I mean I, I want to play well hollow I was trying to see how much uh how much uh, you know college status i still had left to see if i can come back in and and sign back up for some classes but you know again it's one of those things where we've just got to celebrate the action and it's no longer just lip service It's, it's real it's a tangible event that these guys are going to get to play in
0: i said it's a sprint and a marathon tough to do both in one day but i think folks understand it let's sort of project doug you talk about the excitement and now we're seeing things actually happen what impact do you think this might have moving forward not only for an event like this, but opportunity across the board?
3: Well, I think it's a recruiting tool. You know, we're sitting here talking about college golf, and, you know, Steve and Brentley, we've, we've been to a couple college events together, and when you're playing on national television or you're playing in marquee events, you're going to get, you know, you're gonna re- that recruitment class that you're going to have access to, it's, it's going to be better. Uh, because they're going to want to come to your, your facilities, your school, to play in these venues. And I think that's really one of the biggest impacts we'll see. I think we'll start to see more and more players um, head toward HBCUs, not as a slight, but as an opportunity to advance their game uh, with, with what's been going on in the last few seasons.
1: So, Doug, I'm, I, I'm, I'm reading the info on this event, and the one thing that's missing, is there's nothing about Will Lowry doing the 18th hole intros <laughs> like he did at the at the LPGA Tournament of Champions? What
3: I, I don't know, man. I, I think we're gonna have to talk to his agent about that to see like what's going on. I, I don't I don't think they're they're talking to the right folks. Um, but we'll we'll figure that out, brother. I think um, I think Will and I might have to figure out how we can be a part of this event because you know it's it's groundbreaking. You know, I, I was fortunate enough to be a part of the John Shippen event last year at Detroit Golf Club, part of the Rocket Mortgage. And um, I was also part of the the APGA event that we held on Golf Channel um, after the Farmer's Insurance opened. So, I, you know what? Sign me up. Put me on a plane. Uh, Steve, can I use your credit card? I'm on my way to Quail Hollow.
0: Go for <laughs> it. I'll give you the corporate number and even the three-digit code on the back. Great. I, pre- <laughs> I
3: appreciate
1: it. So,
0: so Doug, you you mentioned earlier, you know, you played college golf at
1: Louisville, you played college golf at Florida A&M. So you have a a great perspective on kind of the differences between, you know, a, um, you know, power five school and then a a mid-major program. Um, What – I, I I know the games changed a little bit since since both Are you of us. you me been, old? Are you calling me I, old hey, in the middle hey, of this question? I, I said both of us. I said both oh of God, us. God. I see how it is, guys. <laughs> Gee whiz! You know, That's it's only been you know a few a few years removed from from college. But <laughs> can you can you just just explain for for our listeners, um, kind of the the challenges that that HBCUs face, just oh. in terms of funding, just in terms of you know, just kind of compare that to you know, say a Louisville or an Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, just kind of give us a, yeah, no, I mean, an idea.
3: Let, let's be clear. There are huge chasm differences between playing at HBCU and, and playing at uh, a, you know, a, a, a larger institution. You know, when I was at Louisville, for example, like we owned the golf course, like we, the golf team, like when we got to the course, we had our places to practice. We had our private range in the back where we could hit balls and do things. They've since built it out. Uh, with the with the practice facility renaissance that took place after I left school all over the country, so it was um, you know that, that's number one, just the facilities. You know, at, when I played at Florida and M, you know, we played at Southwood a lot of our golf there in Tallahassee, and you know, we had to use corners of the range. Uh, we we were we we didn't have you know tee times and blocks. We had to you know play late in the day and schedule classes around when the course would let us play. So there was a lot of like hurdles to just getting access even though we had it right we had access to play but it was just we, we were more on the courses calendar where at louisville we, we kind of just kind of ran the show and you know it's interesting and thank god for brooks kepka because when i was at florida or at louisville i could get any ball any club any glove i could do whatever any equipment that i needed it was there right mm-hmm. if i needed to be fit it was it was it was quick um, when I got to FAMU, we didn't have those, I, I didn't have access to, you know, those collegiate reps and and getting equipment. You know, we had to, we had to ration our golf balls, you know, you, know, you only get so many balls per tournament. So, you know, little stuff like just having access and, you know, to bring up the, the Brooks Kepka point, you know, when I was at Florida a and I used Brooks's backup driver when he was at Florida state, because I couldn't find a shaft that would hold, you know, some of the speed that I had back then. And, and Brooks had, every circle T every Nike club back then. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to be close enough to him where he was like, here, you can take this and use." So, you know, when we're comparing the two, you know, universities and, and it's just, there's a lot of access gaps and hurdles that you have to jump, but Florida A&M also just built their own kind of on course driving range, which is super dope. You guys got to go take a look at that uh, uh, down there in Tallahassee, but there's just differences. I mean, we can't, we didn't get all the clothes for example, and I'm not just talking about the, 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 you know, tangible things that you wear and whatnot. It's just you don't it's not the same golf. Like and you guys know now you're playing fitted golf clubs. Back then it was hard to be fit when you played at Florida AM. So that's why I had to go to like people like Brooks and, and Seth uh uh Lauer who played uh at Florida State as well and, and Drew kittleson Like we we thank God for those guys because they helped me play at a high level.
1: Now you obviously have a lot of ideas. You have a lot of great experience. Um
3: where's where's
1: kind of one area of college golf um that could improve like to to help out these programs that don't have the same resources that that some of the top programs do
3: you know it's, it's access to capital you know brent it's like you know when you play a, at a big school in the oklahoma states and the pepperdines you know the, the booster involvement is so great that, you know, when you're, you know, a Sahit Tagala and you're coming out, I don't know his story all the way, but I'm just bringing him up as an example. I'm sure he had, granted, he had all the talent in the world, not taking that away from Sahit, but, you know, I'm sure he had access to some of those boosters to, to help cover some of those initial costs as he was getting exemptions on Corn Ferry as well as PGA Tour. Um, you know, th- those things happen when you play at a, at a larger institution and you have, you know, named buildings for your practice facilities, et cetera. So I I just love to see more of our, our, our heroes that come out of the HBCUs, like, like Sean Combs and with the Howard university puff daddy, right. I'm sure he could sponsor, you know, a golf team or a player fairly easily. He's got 40 streams of income, you know, it's just that kind of involvement. I would love to see from that booster uh, booster seat at HBCUs. I mean, all these schools have such uh, amazing, uh, affluent people that graduate and, I'd love to see them give back not only to the school more, but even to some of the programs uh, that they, that they enjoy while they were on campus.
1: Now I'm going to talk about some other ventures for you for a second. The podcast uh, with Will, you you guys have a, have a next round, uh, another series coming out Mm -hmm. soon. Just kind of explain uh, where we can find you and uh, what you guys have have, have coming up. Uh,
3: beyond the season, or Beyond the Season, Beyond the Fairway Season 2 is coming out. We just started recording yesterday, so we're going to have some, uh, we're going to have, you know, new guests. We're going to try to be more places. Uh, you know, we got, a, we got a show coming out on Golf Pass called Home Course Advantage. It's going to be a great show. Can't tell you much more than that at this moment. Ooh, um yeah. that's gonna be pretty exciting stuff. It's I call it uh, undercover boss meets punked. Yeah, it's it's, it's very it's, it's an interesting concept, and I I'm looking forward to it. And um, you know, I I started doing some work for for PGA Tour, uh ESPN Plus. So I've been broadcasting. So I'm doing I'm doing my best your your version. You're... I'm doing my best version of Steve Burgowski I can do. Like, just, uh... <laughs> just call me call me Dougie Burko. That's what that's what I'm doing right now. Bur- I'm trying Burgo. to be everywhere. Hey.
1: Every time I talk to Doug, he, he, is, he is so busy. But every time I talk to him, he's going through the drive-through line, to get some coffee, get some food. the The guy never sits still. He's got so much no. going on. It's 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 crazy. It's crazy how how, how you handle all that. I have, Doug. It's funny. <laughs> I'm,
3: I'm drinking I'm drinking my, my espresso yesterday, or right <laughs> or yesterday, right now. I went I went to the store yesterday to get the coffee. For now, like I I, I keep a steady drip of, of black gold in my cup. <laughs> well, you've got
0: you've to put fuel in the tank if you want the high-priced machine to work effectively. Uh, Doug, <laughs> always good to catch up. You talk about it, season two resuming Tuesday, March 8th. Doug Smith, Will Lowry, be on the fairway on NBC Sports and Golf Channel. Uh, always good to catch up, my friend. It was great seeing you at the WM a couple weeks ago, and I hope our paths cross again soon.
3: Hey, real quick, Burko, before I jump, I do want to just thank you so much for just being a, a voice and a, and a mentor for me as I've entered into this space. I mean, it's such an honor to be able to call uh, a 20-year vet and and, and have him uh, demolish my uh, my hopes and dreams, but also build me back up. So I appreciate you, bro.
0: <laughs> right back at you. Happy to uh, to help anyone, uh, and especially uh, Doug, such a great guy, and to see what he's doing and will continue to do. It's uh A lot of fun. So um, thank you, my friend. Uh, Always here for you. And uh, you think about it, um, Brentley, you know, getting Doug to talk about it, it, it's perfect because he's seen both sides of it at Louisville and Florida A&M. And my mind started wandering when Doug talked about the recruiting aspects and what Deion Sanders has done, getting some of the best football players in the country – to go to an HBCU I think it's phenomenal yeah and uh, Doug he, he uh, man he he had some
1: nice words for you Burko. <laughs> yeah well I, I owe him some coffee apparently next time I'm, I see him. I know man yeah it's I, I I I echo his his uh sentiment but uh but yeah I I I, I love talking to Doug I mean he's He's got so many connections. He's so knowledgeable about this. He's a great player uh, as much as he doesn't like to admit it. Uh, he's still got a lot in the tank, but yeah, talking about this, this Sifford cup for a second and um, just, just the ability, if, if nothing else, to add an event like this to the schedule and be able to play a PGA tour course like quail hollow. I mean, the golf and, and stuff to me, that's, that's secondary. I, I do think Doug's onto something there and just that recruiting pitch, you know, that, that you can be able to tell uh, the kid, like, Hey, you're going to be playing in this president's cup style match, playing match play at hollow where the PGA tour players play. I bet you, you know, the people running that tournament, they're going to treat them like, like tour players. I mean, everything's going to be top notch. So I mean, it's, it's a little bit of an understated thing, that, that schedule. I mean, you look at the the, Oklahomas, the Oklahoma states of the world, and they're, next week they're going to be in Vegas. They're going to be in Cabo. I mean, they're playing all over the map. They're playing 11, 12 regular season tournaments. And a lot of these smaller schools, especially the HBCUs for years and, and decades, They've only been able to play, you know, kind of smaller schedules and, you know, playing public courses, playing courses that they can drive to. But when you consider a, a recruit down and, you know, be able to say like, hey, like we're we're playing this schedule. Like, look at this. Like, that's just going to help. And it's going to take a little bit of time, uh, but it's going to help down the road. So I think it's a really cool idea. I'd like to see a little bit more of it. Um, but it's certainly moving. In the right direction, and I, I think this is going to going to allow these HBCUs not just to get the best like minority golfers, because I mean the best like minority college golfers of the last five or six years have haven't gone to HBCUs. I mean, look at Marcus Byrd like start at uh, Middle Tennessee State, uh, Andrew Walker at Michigan State, you know Troy Taylor right now at Michigan State. If if those guys, and then even players, you know who aren't who aren't you know, minorities, but are great players. Like those players are going to start, you know, going toward some of these smaller programs, maybe even, uh, you know, some of these HBCUs because of the events like this. Uh, you know, being being able to beef up those those schedules that they're playing.
0: Yeah, yeah. progress is possible. Great to see it uh, come to fruition uh, later this year in the Queen City of North Carolina. Really quickly, I know we're going long. The and, prestige, and we, yes. Yes, Real quick, I, I
1: I said uh, hold on one sec. I, I I said I said Troy Taylor, um, but I don't think that's that's right. It's um, yeah, no, it, it is Troy. Uh, so go with your gut, baby. Go with yeah, your. gut. I, I wanted to make sure I I got his name right. He's a great player. Uh, him and him and James Pyatt had the uh, you know Spartans knocking on the door there in the Big Ten. So yeah, just
0: just wanted to make sure I. I got that right because I was second-guessing second myself a little bit. <laughs> there you go. The Prestige out in Palm Springs, huge field, big wins. Vandy wins by 10 in those high, windy conditions. Pepperdine tied for 13th. Maspit wins the individual tournament, the odd guy out of the six for the Waves. Oregon second, Kansas third. Um, give me one thing that jumps out to you there because I'm looking at Pepperdine. Didn't have their best stuff. Uh, if Ian Masbit has earned his way into the lineup. My impression is he just did. The question is who might find themselves on the bench for a week for head coach, Michael beard.
1: Yeah. It's, it's tough to kind of compare though because they, they, they weren't playing the exact same golf course. So, and I, I don't know how much easier or, or whatever, but Hey, he, he won the tournament. That's, that's a big deal. He played well at their home event. I think you're definitely onto something in that, you know, I think coach beard, if nothing else to, to maybe send a message to one of those top five guys that, Hey, like, Ann's not just here as a understudy, like, like he, he's here to challenge you guys for a spot and I'm not afraid to put him in the lineup. So I think, I think you're definitely onto something there. The one thing that jumps out about this tournament though, and it, it's, it's crazy looking at Vanderbilt's spread of scoring 287, 311, 270, I mean, that's that's some crazy stuff. But when you look at the weather that, that they had out there, and I, I know you saw some of the video. I know a lot of people listening to this probably have seen the video by now, but they got some crazy wins. I mean, there was Sambo and everywhere. And with 24 teams, you had two waves. So the Vanderbilt, the Texas Tech, Stanford, Pepperdine, they all played that second round when the weather was really bad in the morning. They had to play their entire second set of, 18 holes in terrible windy conditions. And then when that afternoon wave got in there, they actually stopped play for an hour or so, almost two hours. And then those teams got to finish in much calmer conditions the next morning. So a little bit of a luck of the draw scenario. Um, I was going through the numbers and just looking at the leaderboard. There were, let's see, Oregon, Long Beach State, Oregon State, Northwestern, Kansas, UC Davis, Iowa State, LSU, all those teams finished 11th or better. Um, so that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's eight of the top 11 teams were in that afternoon wave on day two. Um, got the better draw. So maybe Pepperdine's T13, maybe that's more like a fifth or a sixth than uh, you know, we're kind of getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. But um, certainly Vanderbilt being able to survive those poor conditions to go and, and throw a 14 underscore on that final day up there. Uh that's that's what we've been waiting for out of them. That's that's the team that we thought they were uh coming into the fall and they're
0: starting to show it. Water sound invitational Georgia Tech wins by five. You've been telling us that might happen. UNC sixth, Arkansas seventh, Wake twelfth. For me, Cannon Clay come from Alabama, not only does he win, he wins by eight shots.
1: Yeah, and I am I almost texted you about Georgia Tech, Virgo. <laughs> I just, you know, less than a week after I, I called it, watch out for them. They, they go and, and uh, beat some really good teams. But, yeah, Cannon's, you know, one of those players, for, for those who don't know, who was an AJGA first-team All-American, you know, one of the best junior players in his class. And, um, you know, it's, it's taken him a little bit, you know, of time to find that, that consistency as a college player. Um, but, but this is, you know, this is kind of the best of what he has. I mean, to go out there, win by eight shots, like this is what he's capable of. And if he continues playing like this, I mean, Alabama goes from a team that is probably a question mark to make the NCAA championship to one of those teams who, you know, could be finishing in that top 10, top 15, um, area. So yeah. Uh, good to see out of cannon. Uh, good to see him do is, uh, I guess it's trademark now for uh, his patented cannonball celebration. Yeah, I saw that jump in no, the pool. No, uh... no pun, or actually pun intended, but uh, but yeah, I mean he's he's a good player, and uh, I think Alabama is another team to watch out for. But Georgia Tech, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: I'm
1: telling you, you that's yeah. the dark horse, and they they might not be as much of a dark horse anymore, but but that's the that's the team that's that's the team that I think. That has the long odds that i'd probably put a few bucks on
0: love it huge huge week ahead we're not going to go deep diving into it but i promise you next week men's event at cabo great field men's event in vegas at southern highlands a phenomenal field and then i'm heading up to hilton head the darius rucker loaded field for the women as well our first ever regular season women's event all women on golf channel starting on Monday. Can't wait to go to the place that I will disappear if I ever hit the Powerball. Hilton Head is is my uh destination. Wow, that's, so oh, that's, that's an upset. It. That's an upset. You you like you Hilton Head dead more than Charleston. Uh yes. Charleston's very good too. But I just feel like you can disappear at Hilton Head and other than the week of the heritage no one would ever find you and uh I think, you know i think hilton head is is aided a little bit
1: by being so close to savannah i i think that you put hilton head on its own and more than an hour away from everything I, I don't think it's quite as good
0: i just want it's to get off the, it's yeah good. i just want to get off the beaten path when those numbers come in and i just disappear and everyone wonders i uh, don't come to hilton head looking for me so uh We will talk about that next week. Cabo Vegas, our thanks to Justin Silverstein, head women's golf coach at USC, Doug Smith, jumping on as well. We were jam-packed. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll do it again next week right here on College Golf Talk.